Skyler Roth McDonald is here today. How are you doing, Skyler? Hey, I'm good, Matt. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. So I am so excited to um, chat with you and talk to you about what you're doing. You reached out. I'm so happy. You are doing something great. You're planning on running um, across the country, pretty much tip to tip. It's pretty amazing. Tell us about it. How'd you get into this? Um, well, thank you. Yeah, um, it's a pleasure to be on. I'm stoked to uh, talk to you as well. Um, and yeah, um, more importantly, the run is to raise awareness for uh, mental health and um, more specifically, like suicide prevention. That's, that's, uh, that really hits home to me. That's, I've experienced a lot of those hardships in my life. So, um, you know, my, my, I'm blessed enough to have the legs and the body to go coast to coast. And I think, you know, doing that uh, for a good cause is um, just ties together perfectly. So that's, that's the main mission is to raise, raise funds for the Canadian Mental Health Association uh, and raise awareness. And then uh, the physical feat is, is, a, is a big bonus too for the, for the athletic resume. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I want to get more into that later about how you're going to go about that and your training and stuff. Um, we tried a little bit of that before we started the podcast, but um, maybe we could dive into kind of your story and what led you into uh, this path of mental health and, um, yeah, spreading awareness. For sure. Um, so I think, like, and, and I think anyone can attest to this um we all have our mental our mental health struggles um i i look at it as a as a massive as a, as a spectrum um for sure and if you if you don't if you don't you know maybe have for example or if you haven't gone through like suicidal thoughts you you likely know someone very close to you a loved one that does go through that so it does affect all of us um um, and so that, that's why, again, why I think this is a, um, a good, a good platform, um, to raise awareness for like the cross Canada run, um, the mental health is a no brainer. So my, my story is, uh, I grew up in central Alberta, uh, primarily red deer, uh, my whole life. Um, I don't mean to uh, cut you off scholar, but, um, you're cutting out a little bit. Um, when you move, I just want to make oh. you aware of that. Sounds good. Is this better? I'll stop moving. Better? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It seems like, okay, good. All right. I'll stop cool. moving. Um, <laughs> so, so growing up in central Alberta, uh, Red Deer, which is a city of like a hundred thousand people, uh, in between, right in the middle of Edmonton and Calgary. And Red Deer's pretty, like blue collar town, uh, kind of small town vibes. Um, but it's kind of a rough, um, rough, place to grow up in a sense um pretty high crime rate and you're just exposed to uh i don't know a lot of you know you're not exposed to a lot of positive opportunities i i didn't find and um it, it affected a lot of kids like in, i know in high school uh i i know eight kids personally that took their life um so it affects everyone in uh, everywhere but i found red deer um it, it was wild. Yeah. In a, in a four so you personally span. knew eight kids that committed suicide. Yeah. Um, just in, just in high school and the like kids that, um, you know, might've been in my class, uh, kids that 
um, like my my grad my grad uh, my grad date's brother, um, David Keller. He he took his life, uh, rest in peace. And um, you know my good my best friend Eli, who's like a brother, um, he took his life. And you know, I yeah I there's a, there's a bunch. I don't know if I, if their families want me to say their names. So I'm just yeah. Like oh, yeah. That. but um, but yeah, it hit a lot of people hard and. Um, it's hard to get through that. Um, I'm in 2012, this, this is before I was in high school and this was my first, I would say this is my first taste of depression. I don't mean to cut you off again, but, uh, are you able to set your, do you have a laptop? You're able to set it down or something like that? Maybe on a table. How's this? How's that? Good. Good. It all was right. like, it seemed like, okay, there we go. Yes. Very good. All right. Okay. So I would say depression for me uh hit when i was in seventh grade that's when um uh, we lost my friend josh to suicide and yeah we were, we were 12 years old um and so that was kind of the first time we had to navigate through like really dark and tough times um so um you guys were good friends and was there any signs leading up to this? Like, did you have any? Uh, uh, Josh, Josh. So when he was 12, yeah, he, he lost his mom uh, to, to suicide. So you, you could tell that there, that uh, Josh was going through, he, like he experienced a lot of traumatic events. Um, but at 12 years old, you would never, you would never think a 12 year old would take his life. So we never, uh, I guess, to answer your question in terms of signs of suicide, no. Um, but you could tell that he's been through a lot of hard times and, and our soccer community and I know uh, the school community rallied around to, to help him because we were aware of what he, he had gone through. So, but yeah, no signs, which, um, which I found pretty disturbing. Like you just never know, right? Um, yeah. You know, he took his life after school um, I remember it was Wednesday because we had soccer practice and we were all wondering why Josh wasn't there. Um, and then wow. uh, this was about two weeks before our team was going to England and we'd fundraised for like a year. And uh, so I just remember parents and our coach were kind of like in and out of the gym. Like you could tell something was wrong and we were, you know, just 12 year old kids. We thought, uh, we thought like maybe our trip was getting canceled or something worst case scenario um and you know our coach had our parents tell us uh individually like uh, at home and yeah at that age like you don't you know a lot of the kids i don't even think knew what suicide meant um yeah so that that was tough and that's kind of when um things that just they're changing i think for a kid that age with such an underdeveloped brain when you're thrown um when you're throwing news like that you your brain literally does not process that and uh yeah. for me that, that i definitely i definitely had um issues with that down the road mostly mostly in high school which um we can definitely chat about as well so right so how how does that kind of play out for you like i imagine like you know I lost someone to suicide when I was 20 and uh, it was horrible. 
and I still feel like, like you said, like I was underdeveloped, like I'm 25 now. So it was like, but I, at least I had like a little bit of perspective on life. Like what was that like in like grade seven, grade eight, grade nine? Like what sort of thoughts, what sort of um, mental state did you find yourself in around that time? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's tough. I just have to kind of put myself back cut um that far back um i think the toughest thing was like you would just expect him like you it's i suppose it's the same as an adult like you just expect to see them like at soccer practice the next day or like you're going to call you know you're going to go to their house and knock on the door and ask if they want to play like that was that was weird. And it did, and it took a long time to like, kind of accept that, you know, they're not going to be here anymore. Um, but you also feel like super guilty. Like I felt super guilty at least, um, you all. And I, I think that's pretty normal. You, you think of things you could have done better ways. You could have been a better friend. Um, you just play back a whole bunch of scenarios where, um, yeah, maybe, maybe you could have helped keep them here. Um, now I realize that, you know, more often than not, they're just, their, their mind is made up. Um, yeah. and, you know, you're gonna, you're not going to get anywhere replaying those scenarios where, you, you know, the coulda, shoulda, woulda, um, looking back, I know I was a good friend with Josh and Josh was a great friend to me and that's what matters. And our, and our positive memories, um, is what I take going forward. Um, but yeah, it's a tough, again, at that age, you, you honestly, you can't think, you can't think of how to get better. You can't think of what your options are. Like, you don't, you don't even know, like now I can say like, okay, you know, go to see a therapist, exercise, um, go see a, go to the doctor, like go to a, go to the mental health unit. Um, you know, I, I, you realize you have when you're only what the resources are, but like, you, you honestly don't even know what to do. Like, you don't know, you, you don't know what depression is. You don't know what that feeling is. Like you, you just know that you feel like shit and yeah, like it would get to the point where like, I would be 13 years old, like from all that guilt and like, I'm wanting to take my life. And um, it takes a long time to get over that. And, you know, I'm still not, you know, completely over it. Like, um, but the best, and then I guess the best way to explain it is my, my experience with losing friends to suicide is, you know, Josh took his life in 2009 and then, you know, each day gets easier. Um, but then in 2012, like my best friend, Eli, like best friend takes his life and it just like rips that scab off again. And you, and you yeah. ask yourself the same questions, like, okay, am I a shitty friend? Like I had two best friends kill themselves. Like, yeah. Wow. Am I a good person? Um, so, and at 16, you're a lot, I mean, I know it's only a few years, um, older than 12, but it's, you know, everyone I'm sure will agree that it's a, you're big, you're a lot different in maturity. Uh, you're a lot different mentally. So that's where I, like when I was 16, like I, I definitely didn't talk about it. Um, just kind of swept it under the, 
under the carpet, so to speak. And yeah. like, have, and I would say, yeah, just heavily turned to alcohol and, and drugs on the weekends. And yeah, um, yeah and, and that's obviously not a good, good way to do it. But I think that's a way that a lot of people do go. And um, that's, that's the way I went. With the booze and, and stuff, was that um, like an escape from the feelings that you had? Yeah. Um, I also think like that was, um, it was just kind of like what my friends were doing and you just want to do what your friends do and you want to, you know, make your friends happy. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a shitty friend. Um, and then, yeah, like you, I mean, and at that time, especially growing up in Red Deer where there's not an awful lot of things to do, um, yeah, you, you, that just becomes the norm. You look forward to it. That's all you look forward to. Um, you know, you just get blackout and yeah, you just keep avoiding like the whole reason why you're doing it. And right. that comes back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. I think that, uh, like we said, coulda, shoulda, woulda. I think that's like part of the grieving process and like you have to go through it. But um yeah, it's kind of like a, uh, you're kind of stuck in that mindset. I mean, it's like almost like you run through every scenario of what I could have done or should have done, or if I just did this, or if I just did that, um, maybe something would have been different. Yeah, I think that's normal too. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I think you nailed it. It's part of the grieving process. Um, you know, I, I'm, I look at my friends, I, I appreciate my friendships a lot more now, you know, going through losing friends and I try to be a better friend. Um, so you do take that. I mean, there's, is, I would never, like, there's silver linings to everything, no matter how shitty they are. And, yeah. you know, I feel like I can take from this, like being a better friend and, um, you know, and giving any relationship I have my, my 100%. Because yeah, so you don't promise any time. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I seen a quote um, the other day. It was uh, my heart's been broken, but my uh, my lens has been cleared. Yeah, no, Just I, I, I definitely resonate with that. It gives you a new perspective on life for sure. A uh, new oh, appreciation of life too. Yeah, I think, I think that's, yeah, that's very true. When you go through all these shitty times, um, you know, it's, you know, pretty cliche. If everyone's heard it, you know, life's up, ups and downs and it's so true. Um, you know, if you can get through shitty times, like life, life will, uh, life will reward you. It will. Yeah. So, um, life is great. I agree. So how did it go? Uh, so you lose a second friend and then you end up partying a lot. Um, where does it kind of go from there? Um, yeah. So I was in, I would have been in grade 10 when Eli took his life and, you know, less, and then less than a, less than a month later, another classmate, um, he took his life. Um, so it was like a community that's wow. meeting Eli's and then there's a, and then, uh, you know, a lot of the same crowd is mourning, um, you know, Dylan's death. So, 
that happened as well. Um, you know, a few months later, you know, there's just another suicide, like, you know, Kale, another popular dude. Um, he, uh, he took his life. So it's like, you're get you're, you're going to the booze right away. You're going to the partying right away. And it's just like, there's just waves of suicide. So it's just like a revolving door of like mourning and like grief. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Like there was, it felt to me looking back at those times, it was just like every few months, like there was someone you knew that like took their life. <laughs> so it certainly wasn't, uh, just me, which is the sad thing. There was, I think a lot of people that turned to that, um, a lot of great people took their life and, um, a lot of people missed them and didn't know. And just being young kids too, um, they didn't know how to deal with it. Um, so that, that kind of went on until like 12, like that went on until it's funny you asked that because there's a distinct like turning point for me. Um, there was a night in March, a week, like a Friday night in March of 2016. So five years ago tonight, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, on, like very close to, I, I was seeing the Facebook memories like a couple weeks ago. And I just remember my group of friends and I, we were at a college res party, you know, and just being ridiculous. Like it was like project X, like just ridiculous. And I just remember being so embarrassed of like um, myself and, you know, my group of friends. Um, And the next day, I just remember I was so hungover, but I was just so disappointed. Like I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. And um, I was just so depressed and suicidal and just felt like this, you know, the previous four years of constantly drinking and partying, um, it was just, it, it, it took its toll and I just felt like a failure. I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. Um, I felt like, you know, everyone else had their shit together but me. Um, and so, you know, there's me, I'm overweight. I think I was 220 pounds and that's just straight from drinking. Um, How much do you weigh right now? Um, right now I'm about 167. I'm trying to get to 175 for the run. Um, but so 50 anyways, pounds unhealthy. your current weight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the, so... Um, just super unhappy phys- or unhealthy physically and mentally. Um, and, re- and, you know, partying wasn't even doing it for me anymore. So I felt like I had um, no escape um, and really nothing to live for. So I remember, um, I, remember I, I just took my car to the mountains and I just remember it was kind of like a foggy morning and like I, I had my I had my mind up that I was going to take my life like I there was no doubt there was no I, I was just done and you know I hopped in the car went to the mountains about two and a half hour drive from Red Deer and the whole way I'm driving there um, I'm just it's almost like it wasn't me telling myself to do it it was like a monster sitting in like the passenger seat and that's how I look at that's what I look at depression as is like a monster that just like takes control of you um and you know I get to the mountain and I'm climbing up 
uh, are hiking up and you know my plan was just jump off um top and you know just instant quick and got caught in a snowstorm on the way up like to the point where it was like you're in a snow globe and like you can't see like anything and you can't see the trail in front of you and so I just sat down and it was the craziest thing like I can't explain it like um I'm not a religious person um but it it you know it was like someone was talking to me and I was just sitting on this boulder and thinking about how I can change my life and how and things I can do um to get out of this mess that I I felt caught in and it just felt like an instant like like a new book started to be written as cheesy as that sounds and this the snowstorm just like went away and like everything became visible again and um yeah that's that that day has set the tone for the last five years um wow you know so that point i um i committed my life to the you know i committed my life to the mountains like i felt so saved like i went there as someone who had no idea like about hiking or anything like i just played soccer that's all i knew and um i'm grateful that that snowstorm came because i can 100% tell you i wouldn't be here today and since then, um, you know, I made it my goal a few weeks later. I said, you know, I was 19 at the time, almost turning 20. And it was my goal to do 100 mountains uh, before I was 25. And so I turned 25 in May and I'm two mountains away. So I'm 98, I'm at 98 wow. mountains. And so that's kind of when I got into goal setting and, you know, physical activity and, realizing like the power of nature and the power of um of exercise and the power of setting goals and yeah that, that day changed my life it's it got me to here today you know if that day allowed me to set the goal for you know to get 100 mountains before i'm 25 and in pursuit of that goal it allowed me to make other goals you know getting into ultra running and eventually leading to this cross canada run so um yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel very blessed, feel very lucky uh, for for that day. That's amazing, man. That's like, times like that make you think about like, what are the chances that that snowstorm comes at that time? You were there at that time. It's a two hour drive. It happens while you're walking up. You go through it, you go through and then it clears up. It's like, it's pretty wild how things work out sometimes. Yeah, I, uh, I think about that. I think about that every week, for sure. Like, um, yeah, it was a snowstorm for about 15 minutes, and no one else on the mountain. And um, it's a pretty popular hike. Like, you know, since then, I've done it a few times. And um, every time I go and do it, it's I feel like I have that special bond with that with that mountain. Um, Cause, cause honestly, right. I, I, I owe my life, my life to it. Yeah. That's amazing, man. So you start setting goals from there and 
like how does your life start to turn what sort of things you start to do um kind of on a day-to-day um so because doing the mountains and it being two and a half hours away like right away i stopped partying and drinking because you have to get up at like four five a.m uh to get out to the mountains so right away i started losing weight um because I wasn't drinking, I was burning calories instead of consuming like empty calories. Um, so, you know, when that happens, like you, you do start to get uh, more confident. You start to see like a progression in your physical ability and being a competitive person. Like, um, you know, I never thought like I would get, I never thought running could get competitive, but I've never been so competitive in my life than I am with myself. Um, so yeah, seeing that progression, you always ask like, Hey, what can I do now? Like, can I do, you know, how fast can I do this mountain? Can I do two mountains in a day? Um, so I just jam packed my weekends. I just lived for the weekends, uh, to getting to the mountains, um, instead of, you know, going to the bar. Um, and I, and I made a, and, and, you know, I lost, I lost that 60 pounds. I actually ended up getting down to like 155 and, uh, lost that in less than eight weeks, man. Like, Wow. It was just going. It's, uh, it was just, it was just, uh, replacing the drinking with physical activity. And, uh, you know, you're not ordering your, your crazy hangover, uh, meals, you know, on the Sunday or the sat and a Saturday, like, um, yeah, you're, large you know, you're peach going on Saturday night and huge, totally, man. This morning. you know, you do a massive hike and, uh, <laughs> okay. To be fair, like sometimes, yeah, you do want a big burger after, which is fine. Um, but you know, you're more, you're more mindful with, uh, for me, it turned into like what I eat is fuel for hikes. So I looked at food completely differently. Um, right. and just right. turn meant, you know, healthier mentally and physically. So. So you turned like right away, that was your mission every weekend was just go to as many mountains yeah, as you can. Like life changed right there. Like I, yeah, like it, I, I don't even couldn't tell you the last time I even went to a party like yeah after that there I, I hadn't gone to a party for i think like a year at least oh, wow. and, and i think if uh, i did go to a party it would have been like as a designated driver like it just lost complete interest okay wow um and then as far as your working life i think you said you were uh your marketing manager yeah yeah so another thing that's uh funny i guess like at the time i was in college to get my education degree and my kinesiology degree um there's a combined program and you know i i couldn't play soccer anymore because i had accumulated like too many concussions um so for me that was like why that was kind of why i went to, to college to be honest with you um was to play soccer first and then get an education second um, and right. just, um, and thought, you know, being a phys ed teacher would be cool because I am passionate about physical activity and I felt like that was one of the only options I, you know, for me. So hopped into that and then realized like, I'm not passionate about it. And for me, life's too short to, uh, to do anything that you're not passionate about. So, um, stop doing that and kind of felt like a dirtbag in the mountains for a bit. Like I would just be working like odd end like retail jobs or uh you know construction jobs in the summer uh just to get by but like my my main mission was you know to get to the mountains and progress um you know in what i'm doing out there so um 
just being out in the mountains, I got to take, uh, you know, I'm just taking gorgeous photos on my iPhone. Like it's just, you don't even edit them. It's just the mountains are gorgeous. So you post that and, um, being all I was doing was hiking and, you know, running and stuff. Um, I guess my, like my social media just, you know, was covered in mountains and, um, a lot of people just started reaching out saying like, you know, you're taking good photos and, um, you know, how much do you charge? And, you know, companies were, you know, wanting to, you know, collab or send me stuff. And I thought that was really cool at the time. And I'm just like, honestly, like, I just take photos, like these mountains do the, they do the work, like anyone can take these photos. So anyways, enough people had told me like, I should maybe pursue photography. And I did that. And I ended up getting a job, uh, like a full-time uh, position with an agency in Red Deer. And then I moved to Calgary in June and got a full-time position doing that as well. Um, and then like I was telling you before the, uh, before the show, um, the last three months leading up to the run, I just, I stepped aside from the marketing side of things just to focus on, on this run. But yeah, it's just funny how life, uh, you know, what I just, I always think about that, that day on that mountain and how life has just sprouted from that um, career wise, uh, passion wise. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And then even like leading into what you're doing now, and I think it's like interesting how, like you said, like you would just do whatever job you needed to do. And then you had this mission of going to the mountain and it was not even like, it sounds like, like it was a hundred, you want to do a hundred before you're 25, but it sounds like that's just like a number, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes like you have this inspiration to do something and it leads into like something else, you know, but you just have this overwhelming feeling of like, I need to do this, you know? Yeah. Um, just being like a competitive person. I know for that goal, for example, like I thought a hundred just seems like a big number. And I realized that if I set a goal like that, that that means a lot of time in the mountains. Like for me, I need goals to kind of keep me accountable and give me that, that mode of like, you know, um, you know, you, you need to do a lot of mountains to get to hundred. So you need to spend a lot of days. You need to dedicate a lot of your life to the mountains to get that goal completed. So, um, in a way I knew that a lot, I, I was guessing that life would sprout in other ways as well, just being in the mountains and being in that environment. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy. Um, you go on these hikes and a lot of people like you you don't realize like you're not on your screen for, you know, sometimes 12 hours a day. Like yeah. when else does that happen? And yeah. I don't think that's like a coincidence, like why we feel like mentally recharged and mm -hmm. um, less stressed or less anxious or less depressed after you go out. Um, you don't even have to go to the mountains to do it. You know, just going for walks or, you know, going for jogs, doesn't, you know, just getting out and moving. It's crazy what a difference it makes to you. Literally just go around and walk around your backyard for 10 minutes. You'll feel better after. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually, I'm so... And I, just kind of being, I'm always thinking of ideas and because I want to get, I want people to like understand um, what I'm feeling. Like a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy and like you go for a run and like you're feeling energized for the day. Like, shouldn't you be tired? It's like, you'd think so, but like, just trust me. And I often get like the eye roll from my friends or, you know, um, so I was thinking like, how can I like make, um, 
kind of like a fun way to get people moving. And so for April, I put together this challenge um, and I was thinking of like, okay, I want to make it so like my grandmother can do it. And then like my buddies who are training for like 100K runs can do it. Um, and everyone can like progress. So, you know, it's, it's walking, jogging or running um, for, well, there's 25 challenges in the month of April. But um, yeah, like you don't need to be, like basically what I'm saying is you don't need to, um, you don't need to be like a super fast distant, ultra distance runner uh, to reap those benefits. Um, those, you know, the mental health improvement that you get from these things, like you can take your dog for a walk for 30 minutes and, um, you'll notice like, like instantly you'll, your whole day will be better. If that's how, how you start your day. So that's kind of the premise of this challenge to get people moving, setting the tone for their day and, and that consistency and hopefully, um, they see benefits and, and stick with it going forward. So, Cause yeah, if, if I think of exercise came in a, in a pill form, like it would be the best sold, best sold thing on the market. hundred percent, man. And too, like nature is a huge part of it too. This is like, this is hundred percent what I've done to kind of uh, like, I went on a similar path just with the, with the outdoors being outdoors with like the grieving I went through where I just started doing it right away and I still do it every day. But like, um, after uh like i lost someone to suicide it was like i would go out for hikes for like three four hours or like an hour at the at the least in like four hours or maybe even five like it would just be like i would go out there and that was my time to like work through what was going on in my mind like wouldn't look at the screen and i was just like it i always felt better like a little bit better after even if i was at like a 10 of um feeling like absolute like you don't even know how you're going to get through the day i would feel a little bit better when i came back and uh something i still do to this day it's not as long you know i try to go for at least an hour but even if it's a half hour it's, it's still 15 minutes is so good right yeah and it's getting out in nature and uh, like we we're talking about before like i'm a personal trainer too so i work out like five or six days a week usually but i find like um working out there's a huge benefit but i find like it's like on another level, just getting outdoors. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with the physical training too, like I still see a massive uh, benefit, or sorry, like the, the weight training, strength training in the gym type setting. Um, I do see a good like improvement um, with that as well. Um, but I was reading, there was like a statistic and I'm not, it was like being around like the greenery and like trees and see, like that lowers your cortisol, like, Mm -hmm. x amount like x percent um which cortisol is you know is your stress hormone so you're literally less stressed like walking around trees and and green and it, it's like that's proven and that's like and people and yeah it's just like go and do it it's it's free yeah <laughs> um anyone can do it so 100 percent. i mean there's vitamin d and i believe there's like even mm -hmm. um a little bit of like dopamine slash serotonin for being out there too it's like just if you think about humans naturals habitat like that's it right that's Read this it, book yeah, right now called uh lost connections he talks a lot about that it's like we're basically a species that's been removed from our natural habitat you know there's a reason why you feel great when you when you hang out there is that yuval hari or what's his name uh yohan hari yeah yeah 
Yeah, I, that's a great book. It is really yeah. great. I, I think not to anyone. Hundred percent. Um, I think about that kind of stuff a lot, though. Like, what you know, we're just kind of like, and we're getting deep here, but we're just kind of like stuck. Are we trying to fit ourselves in um, this like society or these like boxes of like jobs and houses and all this stuff? And uh, you kind of realize like this isn't a natural habitat. Like it's kind of like a natural response to feel off if you're not in our natural habitat doing the things we evolved to do over the last 80,000 years. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. It's super weird actually when you think about it and you like take a step back and try to have like the perspective of like every other species on earth is basically like they're doing the same thing that they've been doing for, you know, last like millions of years and humans, yeah. like we're so weird now. Like if you saw us like hundred years ago, 50 years ago, 20 years ago, like we just keep becoming like more isolated and like, um, yeah. it's just, it is weird. Like we're, like we stare, we sit on couches and stare at screens. Like yeah. we, we just scroll all day like what yeah um you know it's and don't get me wrong like any working out or any form of exercise is great but like 30 minutes a day like that's not what your that's not what our bodies need like we are mm -hmm. evolved to move all day most of mm -hmm. the day um so yeah like it, it is super super weird and i don't think um i mean i don't think it's a coincidence that there's a lot of um mental health issues associated with our way of living right now yeah. as, as a collective. Um, and I was watching into the wild. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Yeah. And that's just like a perfect example of like going against the grain and yeah. um, just how you can live a life with so much purpose and have such great stories um, with, with literally no money. So yeah you know, I'm not recommending or suggesting anyone goes and does that to that. That's quite an extreme example, but, um, yeah, I, I think my, my biggest thing, and I try to tell myself this, this gets me through a lot of like dark or shitty times or times that I'm stressed is just like, if you live your life, like you have to, it's going to be a book at the end of your life. Like yeah. there's going to, there has to be a lot of shitty times and there has to be a lot of like things you have to get through and, for it to be a good book like yeah um there's gonna be shitty chapters and there's gonna be like great chapters and um but i i personally try to live my life that way it's just like instead of it just being like one long chapter i'd rather just i i want to split life into a bunch of different uh, different chapters i was even telling my friends like i try to live a full lifetime like every decade because when your time comes whether it be like you know you're 29 and you're diagnosed with cancer or you know you're 43 and have a heart attack or you get in a car accident at you know 50 like you don't know when your time's coming but you better feel like you lived a full life and a fulfilled full, a fulfilled life and a happy life like when that yeah. time does come and and that's my mission that's my goal i think that's that's beautiful and wise, man. And that's something that I've noticed a lot too with going back to the outdoors thing. It's like, I always feel like I, like I lived that day. I know that sounds kind of weird or like I didn't waste the day. If I was outside for a period of time that day and I was really just alone with myself, my thoughts, my dogs, whatever, like I, and I look at 
the the environment i just feel and like i'm connected to it i feel like i live that day you know like we've all had those days where we uh we scroll and we don't do hmm. much of anything or, or whatever case is or whatever situation um you know and you just feel like every day blends the same but like if you feel like you lived during that day like that's pretty special and i think what you're saying is is awesome and it's true like if you feel like you can live every day like that's pretty special life that's well said yeah i think it's easy to recall those days that you spend outside in nature like you it's easy to go back after time has gone by and you can like recall each of those days um yeah. because you lived um but it's hard, you know, and then also, like you said, all the other days of like watching TV and scrolling, which like, fuck, like I do too. Um, you know, I'm no different, but it's just like those days blend together and like you, yeah. you don't remember those days. And it's like, if you're, if that's mostly what you're doing, then what, you're not going to remember most of your life. Like, yeah. and that scares me because all that time adds up, like share, like, you know, one, two, three days a week. Like that doesn't seem like much when you're spending like a, few hours each of those days like scrolling or on tv it's like that that adds up and we're gonna really regret i feel like we're gonna really regret it you know when we're on our deathbed um we should be out you know moving our bodies like we're, we're meant yeah. to be doing um 100 yeah. and i think it even like um i think you realize that too when you go through things like you know what you've been through and stuff like you dealing with death like you understand more about life like when and then you must have like continually dealing with death at such a young age like you just understand like like i'm gonna die people are gonna die like nothing that's what i the first sort of things i realized was like nothing is guaranteed like you go through life when you're like a kid and just think oh like there's my friends and there's my parents and whatever family they'll be here forever they're here now they'll always be here right but you realize like that's not the case at all and that's not the case with you too so it's like you have this new appreciation of life like that's it can be depressing because you don't want to feel that pain you don't want to see people you love die but you have an appreciation a new appreciation for those people and for your own life and for your own time here while you got it yeah no you nailed that man i think every single time you lose someone like you just gain even more appreciation for life and you know um i think a lot of people like like everyone experiences like their first death of like a loved one or you know and more often than well i shouldn't even say that um you know usually it's a lot older with you know natural causes right um but if it's a younger death, more often than not, like it's pretty, it's a traumatic event. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, no matter, no matter, like every death is, is very hard to go through. Um, but I personally would say it's a lot more difficult to go through a suicide from a young best friend than, you know, someone that's losing your grandparents where like you're you know they've lived a full life um you can prepare for it you can prepare for it with them um they're not just ripped away from you like that yeah and that's scary like i just i think about josh for example like being 12 like the guy never had his first kiss like he never drove a car like 
He never got to go to college. Like he never, never got to have a wife, like your kids. Like you, it's just crazy. Like how much life, um, is left. Like, even when you think it's, it's, it's done. Like, that's how I felt on that mountain. Like, I was like, it's done. Like, this was, this was life. Like it was sweet. Like, but there is so much like, and like, I'm still going to go through hard times and like, I'm still going to go through like whirlwinds of depression. Like I've realized now it's not going to go anywhere. It's just how you deal with it and what tools you've gained from past experiences and applying those, you know, down the road when that depression comes back, um, that's, what's going to get you through it. And that's, what's going to make it easier. Um, but yeah, that's the beautiful thing about life is you don't know, um, you don't know what it's going to bring you. So my life can completely change in four years. Like you just don't know. Um, it is a beautiful thing. And I think, uh, I think, yeah, we're all very, very lucky to, to get to live life, like be alive as cheesy as it sounds. No, I agree with you, man. And I think like, that's a perspective that, uh, yeah that that needs to get out like and yeah i don't know like it's something that you realize like we said when you go through these these terrible things sometimes you know it's almost like you wish you could just give that feeling to someone else you know yeah yeah give that, I mean, give that it, understanding totally uh, there is i have a few friends where i'm trying to explain my depression um and you can tell like they want to know but they genuinely don't know what it's like and it's hard to explain um for me like i was kind of saying like when depression does come knocking like depression when especially when you get to the point of suicide like you're fighting against yourself like there's a small part of you that's just begging for like yourself to give another chance but the other the other like the monster is overpowering you and it's it's scary like i'm i get suicidal thoughts less often now but every time they do come it becomes stronger and um that's kind of scary um but i think it like what i do tell my friends is like i hate a sad life more than i love a happy life yeah um wow when life's good it's it's awesome like i i i want to live a happy life and i want to live old and i want to live doing the things i love but um it terrifies me to to you know potentially live a sad life um or a life where you feel like you're you've failed and um you can't bounce back and um so that's kind of how it feels sometimes it's like you know that life can be good but the shitty times like outweigh it and and uh and yes that's some when it gets to that point like that feels like it's your only option is to take your life and um but the thing is is it's it's not your only option it feels like it is but it's not and um just keep fighting fighting and just keep grasping for life like it it's it's you know the saying just taking one step forward like you will get out of the darkness um and that's kind of what i've learned um 
yeah, you just got to keep going. There is like a big component um, of resilience. And I like that, like one step forward. And like, sometimes I think that could be misunderstood as like being uh, like, um, like not compassionate to someone's feelings or, um, or something like that. But it's like, you need to have, uh, I think first you need to have tools to be able to make yourself feel better. And then you need to be resilient in being disciplined with those tools. Um, and then being disciplined, because it also takes discipline to, to reach out and ask for help. Because the path of least resistance is to bottle it in. Yeah. Um, yeah, those, the tools is super important. Um, and you, I think you get those. Um, like, it, it blows my mind, like, you can, like, how strong, like, people are. Like, people that have gone through traumatic events, like. Yeah people are so strong and it's cause you, you gain something from every loss and there yeah. is silver linings to everything. And that does fill your toolbox with tools. Like you said, um, for me, I look at it like this run across Canada. I look at it as like the metaphor, like there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And I'm going to just have to trust my training that I put in, I'm gonna have to trust the tools that I gain, which is essentially the training. And um, when I feel like I'm not, you know, my only option is to give up, which I guarantee there's gonna be times where like I question what the hell I'm doing and then I can just stop and I can just quit and the pain will be done. But trusting in, you know, everything that I've endured um, to get me through it, um, like that to me, that, that it mirrors, my battle with depression like perfectly and sometimes that's the best way to explain it to people um yeah. so that yeah this this run across canada to me is 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 very much what depression looks like to me as well so let's get into the run so at what point in the last five years did you start running and then you said you got into mm -hmm. ultra running which is even more like what has your journey been with like running and leading into what you're going to do yeah. Um, so playing soccer up until I was 20, I attribute a lot of my, um, I feel like I attribute a lot of my running success to that because you just, you build a, a good base um, regardless if you think you're going to use it for marathon running or not. Like you're, you're you, an average, average soccer player runs like 10K, 10K, 10 kilometers a game. So you are getting a lot of running in. Um, I always was very inspired by Terry Fox. Um, just, you know, obviously what he did dying of cancer with one leg doing a marathon a day, like that's, in, that's incredible. Um, that just shows like you had no excuses. Um, guys literally dying running a marathon a day. Um, wow. yeah. and then <laughs> seeing what he did for you know for such a good cause that i thought that was very um yeah that was very great um and so part of me too aside like from the mental health i think just seeing like canada coast to coast is we live in such a beautiful country so getting to do that i always thought that would be cool um you know um 
running across the country, even when I was a little kid, I thought maybe that would be something I would maybe try to do one day. Um, but last, last October, sorry, September is when I like finally committed to doing the cross Canada run. So not too long ago, to be honest, like just over half a month, half a year ago. Um, yeah. But to kind of go back on that ultra thing with the mountains, like the mountain hikes kind of turned into, I kind of touched on how I would get competitive with myself. Like how fast can I do this? And, you know, if I'm doing a a mountain that I'd done previously, um, I want to like, you know, do be faster than like my time before. Um, and that just eventually led into just running, um, and just kind of understanding the scene. Like, I just remember when I got into hiking, I was like, people run up mountains. Like, that's a thing. Like, that's crazy. Um, and then, yeah, you just kind of become part of that. And then you realize it's like, Oh, people run farther than a marathon. Like, I didn't know that you could do that. Like, that's insane. Like I didn't, about two years ago is when I found out about like 50 K runs and, um, hundred K runs and, you know, there's 240 mile runs. Um, it's insane. Wow. So, um, so, so many miles. Yeah. Like, yeah, just insane. So I, a whole new world that I was kind of exposed to. And I just, you could see, um, just the determination these people had. And I, I'm not like the most skilled athlete or I'm not like, you know, the most athletic by any means. I'm not the fastest. Um, I never was like even playing soccer, but I do, um, I do recognize that like my mental strength is, is an asset. And I do attribute that to a lot of the, you know, tough times, um, I gone through, um, when I was younger. So, um, yeah, there's, there's no giving up, um, no question, like, ever. Um, yeah, just, um, I, I, for me, I think about times, what my friends must have been going through when they did take their life. Like, that's hard. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. if my legs are sore, like, I'm fucking fine. Like, mm-hmm. If I'm breathing, I'm fine. If I can talk, like I'm fine. So, um, just kind of taking those tough times and reminding yourself when you are, you know, you do want to give up potentially, or, you know, your mind's playing tricks on you. You just got to keep reminding yourself why you're doing it. And, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's Josh and Eli. Like that's that. Yeah. Those guys keep me, my legs moving. Like there's no quit. And that's, that's hundred percent due to those two guys. That's so awesome, man. That's like, it's something I thought about too, and not necessarily to running, but um, I, it was my girlfriend that committed suicide. Um, so that was, that was when I was 20. And like, I, uh, I remember going through like the worst of it. And I was going through like a couple other things, I had some health issues and stuff. And it was like, just like, the lowest I've ever been in my life and every way. And I kept thinking to myself, like, this is bad, but I still, I'm still don't want to kill myself. I still like, I still, it's still not as bad as it was for her, you know, as bad as it was. And like, I was having thoughts like that. I was depressed as fuck. I was like, 
in the worst spot I've ever been in, like the darkest of my own personal hell. And I was like, it was, st- it's still not as bad as, as her. So it's just like, yeah, I think that's really awesome. Cause I think you, you get motivation, you know, it's, and it puts things in perspective, like what really, what really, um, what real pain really is, you know? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you, we've both been through dark times, but we're still here. So we don't mm. know. We don't know what that, uh, you know, not not that our pain doesn't hurt and not that our bad times don't matter, but it clearly wasn't as bad as theirs. And yeah. so, yeah, it's it's incredible how much hurt and how much pain people carry without realizing, you know, yeah. you can pass someone on the sidewalk walking and, they might take their life that day. Like you don't yeah. know. And it just goes to like treat people like with kindness, like treat yeah. them like that. Hello can change their life. Like you hear stories like that. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember like this story, like in high school, like this kid was like going home to kill himself and, you know, he dropped his books everywhere. And, you know, this kid helped him, you know, pick his books up and, that's all it took for this kid to still be here. Like it's such little things. And um, especially right now with, you know, the pandemic and the state of everything, like everyone's going through mental health struggles and something as small as, you know, opening a door for someone or just, you know, saying thank you or, you know, like those things go a long way, especially right now. Um, but yeah, man, agree, yeah. it's, it's crazy how much, how much hurt that people are carrying and, and we don't realize it. We don't. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's the whole reason why I wanted to do this podcast. And I think it's amazing what you're doing is just bringing awareness to it, like sharing in these conversations like this, like, because it's like this kind of thing where it's like, it's in the dark, you know? And we all like I, I I have the exact same perspective as you do where I think it's on a spectrum where it's like you know like maybe someone doesn't understand like depression or anxiety or whatever the case may be but um like they're going to experience that on some spectrum or they're going to have something come up later in their life or that or they have experienced something different um you know we all have mental health the same as physical it's just about um you know it's on a spectrum of how how healthy you are at that time how oh, you man, maintain it yeah. and it's such a dance to maintain it that that analogy actually like yeah the physical yeah that really stuck with me actually um yeah some people and there's no no shame in it it's just like think about it like some people have bad shoulders mm-hmm. so you can like work on it to mm-hmm. try to make it better so yeah if you, if you have a brain that's like struggling, like you, you can work on it. Um, and some people have no shoulder problems and they can do they have no problem. Like they're, everything's mint. And yeah. <laughs> um, likewise, people have, uh, <laughs> some people just have brains and, and I'm happy. I'm happy for them. I'm so happy for them. I don't want anyone to go through mental health struggles. Um, but yeah, some people just have brains that don't, uh, you know, they don't have to go through a lot of the s- struggles that a lot of us have to go through. So, um, yeah, the spectrum 
well said. And I hope, and hopefully that kind of makes sense to, you know, people that are listening to, um, it's not, it it's not black like, and white. Yes. hundred percent. It is physiological too. I mean, like cortisol, blood pressure, um, stress, like leads to like cancers and like, you know, like just, it's just a whole, it's one and the same. And that's kind of how I like to look at it. It's just the same thing. Like if you're depressed and anxious and you can't go be um, social with your social group and you can't get out and go for a walk, like that's going to make you unhealthy. You know, if you're like chronically depressed, like you're going to be like, it just, it's, they're one and the same, you know? Yeah. If you have an injured leg, you have to rehab it. Like, Mm. yeah. Um, it's how I look at it, you know, as coming from the athletic side of things too, like, that's how I have to make a lot of my analogies. Um, but yeah, one thing that I do want to talk about is because we're kind of on the topic is it blows my mind. And this is kind of like my mission. I, I, I'm, I, I'm going to, I want to make a big difference. Uh, and I'm going to need the help of everyone. Um, to do it for like our, our healthcare system. Like it blows my mind that like your, our mental health is on like the bottom of the priority list yeah. in our, in our country. Like, you know, you can go in, like if you it's, and it's great. Like if you break your arm or your leg, like, you know, you're, you, you're fine. Right. Like we're really lucky. Um, yeah. But if you, you have a super bad morning, like, you know, with you know if you're going through suicidal thoughts like it's not that simple you can't just go and get that tended to and um you know you can get prosthetic arms and prosthetic legs and you know the list goes on um but you can't get another brain and somehow mental health is on the bottom of the priority list so that's that's my rant i and i don't think a lot of people realize that and that's kind of the reason i'm saying it is um, there needs to be changes with that. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't, there's a lot of, um, a lot of people might, don't know what, like being in a mental health unit in a hospital is like, and it's not great. Like I've been there. Um, and yeah, the changes need to be made. Like it's, there's people that beg for their life saying that they're suicidal in the emergency room and there's no beds to admit them. Yeah. Like, they're there, they're doing everything right fighting for their life and they're getting turned away and that's and it's like this. they it was hard for them to even get there too like a lot of times it's like yeah you, it's like so hard to get there and it's like fuck i'll just go then i'll just go like it's like they don't want to go and then they get there and then it's like they turn you away and then you hear your only option you know taking your life isn't your only option it's like well it fucking is because i've done everything else and i'm fighting yeah. And no one's helping me. So it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, why, you know, you muster up the support from people and, or, and you, and you muster up the courage to go and admit yourself and then yeah. you get turned away. Like, why would you go and do that again? Yeah. Like you're, and it's super, super sad. And, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's tough. Like, um, I'm pretty privileged. I'm pretty lucky. Like when I went there, I had, you know, support from my friends and my family and, um, you know, I had friends that were ordering me like skip the dishes and like, I would order skip the dishes. Like I'm in a situation I can do that. Um, but a fun fact for you is that it's the same food supplier as the prisons. So people yeah. that are eating food in hospital, I mean, it's for all units, not just mental health, but it's like, but what gets me is that there could be someone who's in the mental health unit 
trying to go, you know, work out their trauma from being molested as a kid and their pedophile is in prison eating the same meal as them. Like it just doesn't, that's for some, that sits well with someone, I guess, who makes those decisions and, um, you know, higher up so they can line their pockets a, a bit more saving money. And you realize these things when you're in the mental health unit and it's crazy. Like, um, so, and, but there's a, so what I want to do say is the mental health unit, if you're it, if you can get in there, there is a lot of beneficial things. You, for me, I did get to talk to a psychiatrist, um, got to spend a lot more time, um, you know, than just going to a general practitioner who just, you know, writes you a prescription for, antidepressants or whatever medication it may be they actually take the time to like diagnose you and get to know you and um you know there's programs like group programs like learning on you know other ways to manage uh your mental health struggles like for example i learned holding a cold bag of water or ice to your like your forehead uh, over your eyes for 20 seconds will like lower your heart rate dramatically and I remember we were in like the group, the, the group thing. And I was like, this is bullshit. Like, I don't, I don't, this is dumb. And it worked. So like, yeah, the going, like there is benefits. And I think if you're go, if you're feeling suicidal, please like go to the hospital. It isn't um, sitting in a room with white walls um, until those thoughts go away. They, they actually do take the time to work with you and, um, and, 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 make you better um, before you leave um, and giving you tools so you, uh, to, to use so you don't have to come back. Um, but it's just, it's just a shame that like, you know, you can't just go and access that whenever you want. It's yeah. Uh, so yeah, and, that, and, so, that's, and that's just what needs to change. Yes, I, th- I think, and you mentioned before too, I think the big problem is beds as well, right? Um, uh, I'm in Prince Edward Island and that's a huge problem here where there's only like, I think, I don't know what the number is. It's like 12 or 16 beds or something. And it's always full. So like to be not have the option if their beds are full, I mean, that's just like people need it. And there's been stories here and I'm, I'm sure everywhere in Canada um, in the world, really just people, people get turned away. Um, recently there was a young girl that got turned away and she ended up killing herself a few days later. Yeah. And like, that's, that's so like, that's heartbreaking. Um, but is it surprising? It's like, she went there for a reason and she didn't get the help she needed. Like it's, it's, that's so sad. Um, yeah. Like if you went to a, if you had a heart attack, like they would help you. Yeah, they wouldn't like they wouldn't turn you away and let you die. So, yeah, lots of changes that do that uh, do need to be made, and and um, it's it's a, it's, it's literally going to take a nation to fight it. It's it's wild. Yeah, I think it's such it's it is a complex problem too because it's like there's so much like you need so much um, attention and care to really be able to like heal like from like psychiatrist you know kind of down to like a a counselor therapist and like to be able to develop these skills and to be able to kind of like reassess your life like a lot of people like everyone's on the spectrum of like assessing even what's going on 
like you may even go to like the hospital and like you don't even know why you're feeling this way like just think back into like that point where you went to the mountain like you maybe you didn't even assess what was going on you just been drinking for for years and and i feel like a lot of people are there where they don't even like they're kind of like asleep where it's like they're doing all these things you know screens all like you know what i mean they're, they haven't had that like awakening yet where they realize yeah. why they're feeling bad and uh i think like there's so much like top to bottom to be able to cover the bases and like it's it's super interesting i don't think it's impossible but i think um i think it's a big challenge to be able to be able to like cover all those bases and um oh yeah you know like i think maybe i've been thinking lately like like addictions and recovery centers you know like they there's a lot of like therapeutic aspects to it where you go in and then um i don't know like there's just there's like a team like, to help yeah you, right? there's like a team and you go through a process it's like the 12-step progress uh, process where like you kind of identify you have a problem like i think there's like um you know i'm kind of speaking like about things i'm not 100 percent um aware of here but like i think like there's there'd be a better way to go about it. I think like almost like more of like a real rehabilitation center for people. Yeah, that's would be exactly better. a great way to word it. Like you do need to rehab. It's no different. Like it's your yeah, brain exactly. is a body part. Like you do need to re- rehabilitate it. Um, yeah. And that's the thing we need to start looking at our mental health, like our normal health, like it's more important. So why aren't we making it more important? Like, and I, I often think like, I, I had a guy on, on this podcast who's doing great things here on, on PEI. Um, his goal is he sells salt. So it's called the, he's actually sponsored the podcast. So I'm going to send you salts uh, later on. Uh, after Wait, what's, the his, uh, what's his company? It's called the Prince Edward Island Sea Salt Company. Sweet. So his goal is to like take it in the hands of like the private sector um, and not the whole thing, obviously, but like, he's basically doing uh, like 40% of all proceeds go to back into mental health programming on PEI. And then it's like, he's like um, kind of a, he was like a business guy in Toronto and he moved here, like grew a bunch of successful, successful businesses and then came back here. And his whole goal is to be able to like, okay, where's this money going and what's the best way we can use it kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Opposed to maybe the government that doesn't always do that. But like, I think like, even if it's private, like, I think just more options, like, like even like a rehabil, like the same way you go to physio, like Mm -hmm. just a mental health, like rehabilitation center where like you, you can practice these tools, like anything we can do to kind of start to rehabilitate, like everybody, get everybody the chance to do it. Like, you know, there's a lot of good apps coming out now with like making like more affordable counseling and and stuff, but like the more you can normalize it and stuff. And that's just it, normalizing it. Uh, I think it's going to take a lot of um, a lot of little things. Like, for example, like I, like I would love, I want to get a few local businesses, local restaurants here in Calgary, and like um, I'd love to do the whole hospital, obviously, but do like a a lunch for the mental health unit, like one day or like one week. Um, yeah, you're not going to change the world, like with one thing or in like one day, yeah. but like you can, you can do a bunch of little things, but the thing with that too, is just like, when you do these little things, it, it, it breaks the stigma and it, it brings awareness because 
these, these restaurants that are going to collab or, you know, do this, they might not realize that like what the mental health unit is like, they might not realize that it's the same, you know, food suppliers, the prisons and like getting more and more people talking about, you know, that and um, the issues that are associated with our healthcare system in, in relation to mental health, like getting more people aware of that is how there's going to be a change. It's a big snowball effect. Um, 100%, yeah. and yeah, just doing a bunch of little things that's going to make a massive snowball. And eventually it's, it's going to make, I mean, it's, it's going to grab attention. So mm-hmm. yeah. And, and people are going to benefit from it, which is the most important thing. So yeah, whether, whether it be a, a $2 donation to, you know, a local like mental health charity or, you know, buying the mental health unit lunch, like those things add up yeah 100 man um yeah like i love what you said too about the small things it's like if we all just did that small thing that's we can do that's in our control um that's how things change yeah um i mean if if you're someone might be struggling with you know someone sees a nice thing put forward like that um maybe someone close to them who's struggling with mental health feels like they can open up with them because they saw that that kind gesture. Like it's, there's so many things that can come together from, from something so simple and it makes you feel good. Like people like doing um, good things. So, I mean, doing these things is good for your mental health too. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 It's a snowball. Like, Like you said, like if someone feels comfortable to open up to you, Maybe you feel comfortable opening up someone else, like just like, and then it becomes more, more and more normal. Common, and hopefully, normal, this yeah. whole mental health is like this is just you know going in for a checkup like normal. Like that's that's the goal, right? Um, is to just yeah, not be in the dark. Right? You you mentioned that like a lot of us just feel like we're in the dark. We're waiting to see how other people, you know, more people are coming out of that darkness, and and people are, I think people are more curious about the options that are out there. Yeah. I think the internet is an extremely powerful tool. Like, you know, obviously we're doing it right now. I mean, it's pretty amazing. We can do this like across the country, but um, I see like a big, like with our generation, I see like a big kind of shift to this like uh, self-awareness, self-growth and mental health awareness, like those kind of three things. Um, especially on social media, I see a lot of that. And I think that's so awesome that people, uh, people are turning that, that, that leaf and, and becoming like going down that road. It's kind of what I talked about earlier is like having like the, like the spiritual awakening. And I know that might sound kind of cheesy, but it's, it's what it is. It's like understanding what life is. Yeah. I think our generation's, uh, doing a great job, um, at, uh, normalizing i guess mental health struggles and we're doing a good job at helping you know older generations um you know i'm proud of i'm proud of the older generations as well like um you know kind of accepting mental health struggles like recognizing their own and you know talking about it and supporting others um yeah we've come so far in such a small amount of time and that's that's great 100 percent um so leading into this run um like how many ultras have you done and like what kind of what's your training regimen um 
leading into this, what you're going to do. How many, yeah, I have so many questions. Like how many kilometers yeah, are you going to run? Yeah, let's day? get into the running for sure. Um, so for the run, I'm running between 55 and 60 kilometers a day. So holy shit, man. So an ultra by definition. So a standard traditional marathon is 42.2 kilometers. Um, an ultra by definition is anything just longer than that in distance. So typically um, ultras start at like 50 Ks and then there's 50 milers and then like 100 Ks, 100 milers, 200 milers and so on. So um, yeah, I like it because at a certain point it just becomes mental. Um, the physical, yeah. it's out of, it's it. It's just, it comes to who has the strongest mind. Um, and yeah, who, who trained, who stayed the most dedicated and consistent with their training. So, um, yeah, the running part is going to be, it's going to be a massive challenge. I'm very confident with it though. Um, you know, I know that there's going to be those bad days and those good days. Um, and then just going into it, acknowledging the, you know, the hardships that are going to go through that. And that kind of goes like, with your other question, like how many ultras, um, have I ran? And I guess, I would say like around 15, which is very small compared to like, cause for the Canada run, it's like 130 ultras. So, um, yeah, it's a massive, massive jump, but, um, I've done a few things to kind of test and see like where I'm going to stand with the Canada run. So, um, I committed to the Canada run, run when I did my first hundred K, um, last September and my, my idea was, is like, okay, if I can get through like a hundred K and this is my first hundred K, um, try to do it in 13 hours, 12, 13 hours. Um, then I'll be able to do the Canada run, like the 55 to 60 kilometer distance. I can do that every day. Um, and so I did the hundred K run and then, uh, you know, we went, I went and hiked, a, like a mountain, like two days later. So that for me was, uh, that was, that was massive. Like that, uh, I was like, okay, if I felt like I leveled up, um, in the sense of like what my goals are going to be and like what I can do. Um, so I fully so you, committed to, to the Canada run at that point. How long does it take to run hundred kilometers? What was your time? Um, it was 13 hours, six minutes. Um, so yeah, that was like a pace of like, I think it was like a seven minute, 40 second kilometer pace. There's like a 10 Holy minute train shit. at my goal. I wanted to get under 13 hours and there's like a 10 minute train, uh, in Banff, like everyone, like my crew that was with me, were just like, I was on like kilometer 80 at that point. And there, everyone was just shaking their heads. They're like, this is literally the longest train we have ever seen in our life. Like, <laughs> this is what, like, what are the chances? Like I was like cramping up. And, um, so yeah, I ended up missing my goal by like six minutes, but, uh, I'm not, I don't use the chance excuse. I had, I should have made the time up. Um, and then in January, um, I took part in a 24 hour challenge where the premise was, you know, you'd have teams of like up to six people and you take each, like you take turns running and whatever team at the end of the 24 hours, um, has the most distance covered gets to pick like the charity that the proceeds go to. So, um, my friend Connor, he organized it. He, he ended up raising, we ended up raising like over a thousand dollars. So really good initiative, um, and competitive. Um, but Connor and I were talking and 
I was like, oh, I may just do it by myself. And he's like, yeah, man, like go for your first hundred miler. Um, so that was January. The run was January 24th and our winters out West were like pretty chill this year. Like this is the nicest winter I've ever experienced. It was like minus five degrees Celsius. Um, except two hours before the start of this 24 hour run, which was at 12 PM, uh, mountain time. So 10 or sorry, 10 o'clock at night, uh, 10 PM mountain time. Um, it started snowing and like, uh, like polar vortex came in. So it, that 24 hour run was minus 25 degrees the entire time. Oh, holy fuck, man. Like, uh, holy fuck. Uh, it was a whole different level of mental, um, grind. Like, that that one yeah when i realized i was running in that and looking at the forecast and seeing that it wasn't letting up for like 14 days let alone 24 in the next 24 hours um i didn't even care about the distance i just wanted to survive that 25 minus 25 um while still doing the 24 hours um wow so we did it we ran from calgary to red deer um fucking crazy i was like wearing a parka and like five layers and yeah my homies uh chris and d they were with me for the first part and it was hilarious like um and actually it was sweet like d ran his first 50k and chris ran his first half marathon so it was super cool and inspiring to see them you know reach their uh like really big milestones as well like that that kept me motivated but i would get to the car like expecting like you know them to put like a drink in my hand or like food because i'm dying and it's like they're on the side of the highway like sleeping i'm like oh my god like this is insane <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah and then like my buddy and or uh my buddy matt he joined at like seven in the morning this would have been like nine hours after i started and I was at around kilometer 65, I think, kilometer 70. I was going really slow. Um, yeah, he, he put in a shift. Like, he put in – he ran 70K. And, like, wow. he ran – he ran his first time running 10K was three months prior. Oh, wow. Like, Dude, he just kept going. That's he, crazy. It was, it was wild. So I'm very grateful for, like, my crew. Like, the thing with ultras is, like – it isn't it's the farthest thing from a from a from an individual sport like um your crew is keeping you going they're keeping you motivated they're keeping you fueled um they they they're they're the reason they get done the ultras get finished honestly so um and when you're racing competitively they can be the difference between winning and losing so um yeah it's it's pretty wild like there's photos of like me on a foam roller on the hundred K at like kilometer 85 with my mom, like spoon feeding me like yogurt. And I'm just trying to get like, I had like five minutes and it was just like, get as many calories in it and like stretch as much as I can within five minutes um, and get back out. So it's the whole day is pretty much carnage. Um, but you come out so strong uh, mentally. Um, and yeah, I think, um, you, if you if you can run on a if you can run an ultra you can you know you can run life so wow. that I, yeah that's so wild man like 
So what's your diet like? And what, what would your diet be like for this, um, for yeah. this trek across the whole country? Like, how are you taking like, um, carb, carb gels? Are you like, what, like, what are you doing? You just yeah. eat everything? Let's dive into it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like during training right now, I'm not, I'm trying to go into a surplus, like I was mentioning. So my cardio is cut down a little bit right now. Um, ideally I want my weekly mileage at around 125 kilometers a week. Um, right now it's like around 50, um, put, uh, focusing on really like strengthening my legs right now. Um, but, uh, in the next couple of weeks we're, we're, at, we're upping the, we're upping the running more. Um, but for, for what I eat, um, well, I have a shake in the morning and this shake is 1600 calories. So I have a cup of berries of mixed berries, uh, a can of coconut milk, which is 700 calories, uh, three tablespoons of peanut butter. And, uh, it's like a lean mass gainer, which is like, uh, 30 grams of protein, 50 grams of carbs. I think, no, it's hundred grams of carbs. Um, and like 600 calories. So that all combined, like that's pretty easy to put down. And then I'm always snacking, whether it be, uh, fruits, uh, you know, granola bars, nuts. Um, and then I'll have, I find like sandwiches. You can just like, they're just so quick and easy, but just like filling those with uh, nutrient rich, like veggies, um, chicken breast, um, and just getting those calories in, um, two chicken breasts and a sweet potato for dinner typically. Um, and then throw in like two cups of pasta and pasta sauce. That's typically to end like honest, actually, and a lot of yogurt, Greek yogurt. So those are like usually what I'm eating every day. That's a typical, um, day. I try to eat, between four and 5,000 calories right now a day. Um, Holy shit. And then, but then also it's sweet because like, I don't, I I don't worry about like what, if it's like, if it's late, if I was chilling with a friend and like, um, you know, I wasn't home to eat like my chicken breast or whatever, like I'll get burgers and fries. Like I don't, um, (laughs) I'll eat pizzas. Like, um, for me, it's like the ca- getting the calories is more important than like not having the calories. So I don't stress yeah. out. Like I'm not like super, super strict. I don't, uh, you know, my performance is where I want it to be. Um, but yeah, like on this Canada run, like each day I'm going to be burning. Yeah. Like 6,000 calories likely. Um, That's so what yeah, I'm saying. You're going to have to like, you're going to have to have a few of those shakes, man. It's like, Especially so I, and sorry, I, I do have two of those shakes a day. So oh, really? 30, 3,200 calories dedicated just to the shakes and then like wow. snacks, sandwiches, pasta, and like the chicken breast and sweet potatoes. So yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty close to some days of more than 5,000 calories, like more calories, the better. Um, like when I'm going grocery shopping, like yesterday I was looking at like pizza sauce. I was like, this one has five more calories. Like I'm getting this per serving. So calories are my best friend right now. Um, especially going into the run. Um, I'm going to lose a ton of weight on the run, no matter how hard I try to stay, uh, in a surplus. Um, it's just minimizing that deficit every day as much as we can. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. I'm, I'm, uh, 
I do have a lot of the gels on the run. So a few of the sponsors, um, I got like good to go protein bars. Uh, those are delicious. And those are like full of carbs, fats, and protein. Um, you got like Ener cheese, which is like a protein cheese company. Um, got a meal prep, uh, company out of Calgary. So like I get like actual meals. Um, and then, yeah, there's a few, there's a few more just like kind of snacks. Um, and there's been amazing people that are like, let me buy like you a meal, uh, kind of thing, like on this day or whatever. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, I feel like the food, the food and the fuel is definitely covered for, uh, the Canada run at this point. Um, I think we have all our bases covered, which is, you know, that and the vehicles kind of the most, well, and the crew is the most important thing. So. Um, and who's coming with you? So I'm splitting into like five people because it's obviously it's hard to have someone commit the whole thing. Um, so yeah, I have five different people, um, and then all of which uh, as well are providing like negative COVID tests um, as well. So yeah, it's it's a lot of organizing in that sense, especially with COVID. Um, I'm following like all the provincial regulations and everything like doing my quarantines um, where I need to and everything but hopefully um, hopefully things um, keep getting better and you know these uh, regulations or these guide or what's the word guidelines regulations guidelines regulations um, kind of slowly disappear um, as well as the vaccines so um it'd be wicked to have a vaccine somehow by June 1st. Uh, I think that would yeah. make things a lot easier. So um, on my to-do list this week is to actually email um, the health ministers of like each province and just kind of see, or just kind of tell them what's going on. And um, you know, the, the pro like the Atlantic bubble and then Manitoba as well, kind of see, um, if I can just keep going through, cause I'm just going to be with my vehicle. And then aside from that, just running. So, um, I feel like I'm going to be in less, I want to be in much less contact on this run than I would be like working a job here, uh, in Alberta. So are you, uh, you're sleeping in the vehicle? Yeah. So, um, we're trying to get an RV, um, RV or, camper van sponsor um talking to a few this week so hopefully you get that because the run's only 77 days away or 76 days away um but yeah like i'm fully prepared to like tent it like just dirt bag it sleep in the back of the car like that's worst case scenario um i feel like um everything will work out everything's worked out thus far um but yeah ideally having a camper van and rv where i can you know sleep there do my run um you know get a there's a lot of people that have been you know offering to get nights at hotels so that'd be great for showers and stuff um that's stuff i have to figure out like if with the rv like if it has a shower like that would be sweet otherwise it's likely just gonna be lake baths for uh, yeah. for five months you know so it's gonna be interesting but <laughs> the thing is people have done it um there's crazy people that have done it like self-supplied, like pushing a wagon with like nothing. Like they just, they like run and then like set their tent up, 
have a shitty sleep and then do it again the next day. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's been people that have done it kind of the luxury version. And then there's a, there's a lot of people that have done it kind of like the dirtbag version, which I respect that this one dude from Britain did cross Canada run. He was running in the mountains, which I don't know if you've ever done that drive, like from Calgary to Vancouver by chance. No, like super scary, like single lane highways for a lot of it. And like turns with like cliffs, um, this guy's running it in winter and like (laughs) semi trucks are like it's just like you would never think you don't even like driving on the road in winter um let alone running it with like vehicles that are coming within feet of you um like could kill you at any second so yeah i feel like um once you get that vehicle situation covered um we're ready to go so that's awesome man so um if people want to help out, people want to support, I know the main goal is to raise $50,000, right? That That's the goal, yeah. If people want to help so, out, uh, where can they go? So you can go to www.milesforsmilescanada. Um, and then there's a tab that says donate. And that takes you right to the Canadian Mental Health Association, like my page with them, um, where you can see how much has been raised and everything. And uh, when you donate, you get your tax, uh, your tax, your charitable tax receipt, uh, and everything. It's super easy. Um, also have a GoFundMe. Uh, that's to cover, help cover the costs. So, um, you know, like ferry costs, fuel costs, um, everything that kind of isn't sponsored. I'm putting, you know, every dollar, every penny to my name down towards this, um, and then, and then not working as well for those five months. So um, no pressure donating. I don't want anyone that is in a tight uh, situation financially to donate. You know, if you want to just share, um, even just t- telling your friends, your family, that is, uh, that's amazing and goes a long way. Um, the easiest way is if you go to my social media handles, it's Skylar Roth Mac um, or Miles for Smiles Canada. I'm sure Maddie will put it in the description or put in the video or whatever but for sure um in my tab there i have like a link tree and it can take it to my website or my gofundme um that 30-day challenge that's starting in april is there as well that's a good way to help uh support me um super fun challenge you can win prizes and proceeds from that go to help the cost of the run so uh yeah the link in my bio on my social media handles is, is the best way so thank you very much um to those that uh you know i would consider that are you going to be uh, updating uh, your social media? Yeah, so going to be super active on the social media. Um, you know, I'm trying to be active right now, but with all the planning, um, it's a little bit on the back burner, but once all the planning is done and the run is on, like we'll be going live, we'll be doing, yeah, we'll be doing our, like basically our updates, uh, you know, cool videos of everything that we see, uh, cool places. Uh, I'm a big foodie. So I'll share with like lots of, uh, you know, good places to eat along the trans trans Canada and nice. Yeah. Just, you know, showing our, showing our country, showing our country off and keeping everyone updated on where I am, how I'm doing. And yeah. That's so awesome, man. Um, I can't wait to, uh, to watch you do this and, uh, check in. I'll be sure to, to keep sharing your shit, man. I think this is really awesome. I want to say thanks so much for coming on and Oh man. Thank you. um, 
great talking with you and diving in and just being vulnerable and open. I think uh, that that's the biggest thing. That's what I love about your podcast. Um, so yeah, it, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, sponsors, the Prince Edward Island sea salt company. So I have a box here. We got four different kinds of sea salt. So I'm going to send this in the mail to you. Oh, wow. Send Thank you. Fruity. We got four different kinds of cooking salts. Delicious. We'll send those to you in the mail. Awesome. I will be sure to tag them in my, in my, uh, attempted meals. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a hey, great thank day. Thank you. You too.